Hi, my name is Phil Egan. I work for OCD Sports and Today FM, and you're listening to The Point Podcast. You are welcome to episode 17 of the To The Point podcast with me, Kean McNicholas. Brought to you by our new official sponsors at Summer Sportswear, where you can buy some exceptional quality sportswear and activewear if you go to the website at www.summersportswear.eu. And now you can use the code Kean10 for 10% off all Summer Sportswear products. Now, I sat down for a chat with sports broadcaster Phil Egan to talk about all things from Ronaldo or Messi, the Irish team, getting up at 5am and much, much more. Without further ado, here's my interview with Mr. Phil Egan. You've kind of introduced yourself there, but just give people who might know who you are just an idea of your background, where you're from and what you do. So I'm from Dublin, um, working in radio probably since about 2006. Um, like many people, just got a bit of work experience in a, in a radio station and you're kind of just waiting for the break um, in terms of going to college. People ask me how you got into it. I, I was obviously I work in sports. The sport was always there as a as a kid. You grew up watching sport, playing sports. Just If I didn't work in radio, I'd still watch sports. And still play sports so it just so happens that i managed to almost get into it not like it was never you know you, you're at that age now where you go to a career guidance class and somebody asks you what you want to do now you have a fair idea at the time i didn't know what i wanted to do and you almost kind of just go with what siblings have done but i realized soon enough that wasn't really for me the kind of accountancy or business side of things and then i said i better do something different so i went into media and again never really looked at working in radio it was more kind of the, the technical side of things but just fell into it and would have listened to a lot of radio growing up so then when it became apparent that this was uh, something I could do then just said right I'm going to make this work and yeah it's it's tough like you have to at times you have to do a bit of work experience you're not getting paid for it you have to be on on call to, to fill in for people and it can be yeah you can get discouraged by it but you just got to stick with it if it's something you want to do and eventually it'll pay off mm. yeah and you mentioned there that you find it kind of you didn't know what you wanted to do when you were kind of my age how did you fall into it was it was the idea always there you know um i know a lot of people i spoke to the idea was kind of there but they didn't really think it could happen yeah do you know what? i don't even think the idea was ever there now when i was younger I suppose I obviously watched a lot of sport on TV, so I would have been well aware of you know how interviews work and what what I liked, what I didn't like, commentary, that kind of thing as well. The buzz of of live sport and you know the I still have that where you you're at a game and something unexpected happens and it gets you off your seat and that that's the, the I always try and watch things live. Even there's so much sport on TV at the moment that what I will try and do is record something. And if I know I can't watch it when it's on, I'll maybe even stay off social media, keep the radio off and go and watch it as live because that's still the buzz you get. Like, oh, look, I, I watch things back knowing the results. That's, I mean, it's, 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 uh, 
I've already watched the Liverpool and Chelsea game back, even though I watched it live. I've watched it back again, just kind of almost to get my head around what happened. I don't mind doing that. Like I still enjoy that side of things, but I still love the, the live aspect of it. And then in terms of getting into it, yeah, it said it was just a bit of luck because I, I did a business course, but I didn't like it. So I left. I left after a year and a half. And to be honest, I probably would have left sooner, but I actually just uh, I, I did it in uh, DIT in Mountjoy Square. And we just had a really good class that was great crack. And it probably kept me going when I actually didn't particularly enjoy what was going on in the class. It was more what was going on outside and the, the, kept me going for second year. And then I just decided, no, I need to. I need to just nip this in the bud or I, I'm going to end up doing something that I don't like. And I said, right, take a year out, work, get my head together. It's very hard as like I was just turned 18 when I started college. And at that stage, you don't know what you want to do. Um, some people do. I didn't. And then eventually I, I did a media course in, in Dunleary and the DLIADT. Um, and as I said, it was, it was more a technical course and, you know, it was a, a three-year degree. At the time, I was working in a GAA club, working behind the bar. Again, that, that had a role in it as well because you're working in a GAA club and you're, you're talking to customers who are obviously involved in sports. So you get to chat to customers and people say to you, you seem to really be into sports. And they're like, yeah, I, I am. I, I mean, and you know, the, the broad range of it. And somebody that happened to be serving one night just happened to ask me what I was doing at college. and at the time, I was looking for something to do, and he recommended a postgrad course in Maynooth, which is um, a higher diploma in TV and radio, so in the Kairos College. So that's really where it started, because with that course, obviously, it's a small class. I was lucky enough to get admitted to the course, but with that, then you half the course, half the year was radio, half was TV. Got to do both, but instantly I knew radio was something I preferred. Now, I have since done stuff on TV, but I just loved the the radio side of things. A uh, bit more instant where when things happen, it's probably done a bit quicker. It's harder to get something out on, on TV because probably in terms of production-wise, it takes a bit more time. But part of that course was to do a week. We had a, a radio station for a week. Now, I used to get sick of lecturers or colleagues or classmates said, you have to do other stuff other than sport. But I said, well, that's what I want to do. So we all had to produce a, a show. We had to present a show. Uh, we had to research a show. All the things I did, all the projects, they were all revolved around sport. And basically I was told, like, you should probably try and do other stuff. But I said, no, this is what I want to do. And they said, well, if this is what you want to do, it's probably harder because it's a smaller window. But I was just determined to make sure it was sport because some people that asked me did I want to work in a newsroom, I wasn't particularly interested in that. I mean, like, I obviously have an interest in current affairs, but not to the same detail. Like, like some of the people I see that I've worked with, like their encyclopedias of that stuff. So sport was very much what I wanted to do. And mm. yeah, once I got into that course and we did the, the show, I did my own show for it was an hour, got that out on a, a mini disc. I'm showing my age here and sent it around sent it around to a few stations, got a call back, and then that was it. I was working in East Coast in, in Wicklow, and they were good enough to give me six months and just kind of guide me on what to do right and what to work on. And then I got I got myself into news talk, and then things just kind of went from there. 
Mm. And it was that laser focus, I guess. You you want to do sports, you really want to do sports. And I will get on to that a bit later, but I want to ease into a game. And it's called An Opinion on Game. I kind of throw it in the mix after a few questions. So I'll start off with the topical question that everyone's asking at the moment, probably asking you as well as a sports journalist. Ronaldo to my team, Manchester United, what are your thoughts and what are your opinions on it? Um, I can see the merits of it. I mean, I was working on Friday when it broke and, you know, it, it seems like there was genuine interest from City. Um, obviously, it wasn't going to go down well with Manchester United, so they decided, no, we got to step in here. And maybe Ronaldo underestimated what it would do to the opinion United fans have him because they still adore him even though he left to go for Real Madrid but they know that when he left he had gone out in the top he'd won a Champions League he'd won Premier League titles with them he'd won the Ballon d'Or so he had given to Manchester United but to come back and play for Manchester City then I think that would have really hurt a lot of Manchester United fans um, former teammates so somebody obviously had a word with him now he's obviously a lot older he's experienced is it a player they could have done without? I think so. But I can see having a player that has such high standards around can never be a bad thing. Now, they're obviously after signing a few other players during the summer, Varane and, and Sancho. So it's, you kind of feel it's now or never for United in terms of what they're going to do with Solskjaer. They've got to be challenging for a title. If they don't win it this season, at least get down the home stretch and you can say, you know, that whole uh, saying that you, you almost have to lose one before you win one and they're better placed than next next season. But there is other positions I think they could have strengthened in and I was a bit surprised. But then you see the, the outpour of emotion from former teammates, from his new teammates, from Manchester United fans and there's a real feel-good factor around the club. So it'll be interesting to see how it works and what kind of formation they play and how many games he plays, he's going to score goals. Hmm. I just wonder, will it be of benefit to the team in the long term? Will this impact on the development of other players? saw a little bit of it with Zlatan Ibrahimovic, where he came in and he scored goals, but I felt that it meant less opportunities for the likes of Rashford and, and Martial. And I just wonder exactly how it's going to work out. But, you know, while, while he's there, it's uh, it seems like it's a bit of a win-win for, for United at the moment. But we know how, how quickly things can change. The narrative around United has to be the most extreme where you can watch a game and at halftime, people are saying, ah, the social lad hasn't a clue. And by the end, yeah, they could win the league. So I, I'm always fascinated by just how things can flip so quickly with United. Absolutely. And one of those positions they kind of missed out on was that CDM spot and you saw Fred I, was, I suppose you were watching the match yesterday against Wolves and that CDM spot you could tell it was lacking with Fred he was getting skimmed every time by Traore by other players in on the Wolves team I mean are you surprised that they, they didn't nail that down from the start alright we need another centre back uh, Sancho was a deal from last year that was pending and was always going to get done this summer but that CDM spot still hasn't been filled no, I think that's the most crucial as well. Mm. Um, I think you need a specialised player there that can basically protect the, the back four. Now, obviously, they've added Baran, which means their back four is already better. But you could see it yesterday. Now, one thing on Traore is when he's in that 
flow, it's very hard to stop them. Like the best teams struggle to stop them. You think even a couple of seasons ago, Wolves did the double over Manchester City and Triori scored on both games. And you just, when he gets moving, you just can't stop him. The only thing, you just have to have numbers back. And I just was surprised United were caught badly a few times, but they got away with it because as good as Triori is with the ball, sometimes his his final pass let him down. So United got away with it. But yeah, Fred isn't, he's not good enough. Um, he plays with, with McTominay and it, it works to a certain extent. But you want to be able to have a player that does the job of Fred and McTominay. So it allows you to put an extra attacker in. So a player that's been mentioned a few times is somebody like Wilfred and Didi from Leicester who just offers that protection. Uh, you look at what N'Golo Kante does for Chelsea, Fabinho does for Liverpool, Fernandinho has done for Manchester City. That's what United need and they certainly don't get it with Fred. Absolutely. Um, what are your Premier League predictions this season? Who's going to win it and who's going to get relegated? I went for City. Now, at the time when we had to go for the predictions, it was unclear if Harry Kane was going to sign. But I still think City, mm. given all the talent they have in the squad, given the coach they have, that they should be winning the league every year. Now, I think Chelsea, I was very impressed with them at Anfield on Saturday, went down to 10 men, but still looked very comfortable defending. Maybe Liverpool had a spell of about 12, 15 minutes at the start of the second half where they were putting Chelsea under pressure, but they were reduced to shooting from long range. And I think Chelsea, with the addition of Lukaku, obviously certain players like Havertz are going to be a bit more comfortable in the, the Chelsea starting eleven. And also, it's the first proper season for Thomas Tuchel, who's coming off the back of winning the Champions League. But you could see watching them the other day how well drilled they were defensively. And it just shows what, a, what an impact he's made since he's replaced Frank Lampard. So I think City and Chelsea are the two that would be favoured. I think Liverpool, it really all depends on how they they are injury-wise. I think what we saw the other day was straight away what the difference Van Dijk makes. Um, obviously, Joe Matip is there. Matip isn't going to play as much as Van Dijk. Certainly when the games start going midweek, Matip will be taken out, but that's where they signed Kanata. They obviously have Joe Gomez would still worry a little bit about trying to break down teams because it was apparent the other day that it was a little bit of a throwback to some of those games last season. Saying that, if one of those long-range efforts go in and Liverpool win, everyone's talking them up as one of the title contenders. But I still think they have to be mentioned. I think United will definitely go a lot closer than they did last season. It's like this talk of the, the big six, it's no longer, it's no longer a big six. It's the big four. So it's one of those four. I still think City, in terms of relegation, I think Norwich have shown already that they haven't really learned much. They just seem to be quite naive. I, I think Watford as well, even though they they set themselves up a bit harder to beat than Norwich. But I think as the season goes on, I actually picked Burnley. Um, mm-hmm. Now Burnley get themselves into a state every season, but they always seem to be able to get themselves out of it. I know Wolves haven't picked up any points yet, Arsenal either, but there's enough in those squads to be climbing themselves up the table. Um, I think Brighton have shown that they're improving. So Newcastle might be another worry as well. Just, But the thing is, if Newcastle start doing badly, I think Steve Bruce will be showing the door where yeah. this is one of the, the downsides for Steve Bruce having the, the full house at St. James's Park now. There's nowhere, there's no hiding anymore because 
if they lose, as soon as that full-time whistle goes, those fans will let them know what they think. Absolutely. Um, what well, I want to get on to kind of a different question. What is your opinions on the state of Irish media at the moment, which you're obviously heavily involved in with Off the Ball, you do bits for Today FM, News Talk, and as you said, you do bits for TV as well. What are your thoughts on it at the moment? Well, I think the game has changed so much. Even said when I was starting, like your job working on a sports desk was specifically just, you know, take care of your, your bulletins, your reports, and, you know, you might get sent out to matches as well, where the whole experience has changed now, where you, if a big story breaks, obviously you've got to make sure that it's taken care of in terms of social media, uh, online as well, in terms of websites that the, the stories are posted. If you go to a game, it's no longer just a radio piece. You know, a lot of places are now doing video. Uh, you you want those interviews on video. It just means you're bringing more equipment. So the, the game has changed. There's obviously because of that social media, it gives people an opportunity as well to create their own content that they don't necessarily have to belong to an organization. And that just means the competition has gone up. And also as well, it just seems like that it's relentless that because there is so much sport on so much live sport on now that you just never seem to be off social media you never seem to be not watching sports and you gotta kind of weigh it up whether how do you balance that whereas i suppose when i was growing up there wasn't much live sport on tv so it was very easy just to watch one or two things and you'd really be engrossed in it. Whereas now you, you can watch sport 24 seven. You can, like, you can watch us sport in the, in the early hours of the morning. You could be watching stuff from Australia. It, it's just such a choice. Now, I don't know if that's necessarily the best thing because then what can happen is certain sports are losing out because say, for example, you're, you're watching something, but you know, there's another game on a different channel. If the game you're watching isn't great after 20 minutes, you flick over. And yeah, competition is is so so great at the moment. In terms of, I think that's that's in Irish media, but I also think that's internationally as well. And that feeds into the news lines that to get people interested, to hook them in, there is that sense of things become clickbait where it's not people maybe time consuming as well. Reporters aren't getting as much time to to research stories because it's a case of quantity now and sometimes the, the quality is lost on that I think mm. it's about getting there first um, big time and yeah. some people get there first but they don't get it right I, we were always taught make sure you like, whatever about getting there first but you've got to get it right you've got to get the facts right and you know speculation and, and rumour if you, if you get it wrong you can look pretty foolish I guess it's the thing the last evening with the Ronaldo deal he saw a lot of journalists saying oh it's a done deal to City it's a done deal and then a day later he's gone to United it's just how things can change yeah big time. That, I mean that changed in the space of a few hours obviously mm. what we know now is that that kind of process started Thursday night but on Friday morning it was looking pretty much like he was going to Manchester City and I was saying that one of my colleagues in Today FM from Dermot and Dave Dave is a, a big Manchester United fan and I did a piece with him on Friday and I said, I, I genuinely believe it when I see him holding up the City jersey that Ronaldo signs mm. for City. 
because I just still wasn't convinced by it. And then within a few hours, Solskjaer had done his press conference and he knew from Solskjaer's demeanour and his comments that he had that little twinkle in his eye that he knew something that we didn't know. Yeah. And then you know, I suppose what was amazing about it is it happened so quickly because one thing that has happened with United down the years is they have dragged transfers out a lot longer than they should be. They spent all summer doing it, but this was done within a few hours. Yeah, absolutely. Um, more of a personal question. What has the past 16 months, 17 months to this stage been like for yourself um, since March 2020, living with COVID-19? Um, I presume you're probably working from home for some of us. You're in studio probably now. What has it been like personally for yourself? Yeah, I remember it was March 2020 and I was given a pack of a laptop, mic, headphones and basically said, right, you're working from home. And obviously we didn't know at the time how long it was going to be. And also as well at the time, sport had just shut down. So I think I did 10 weeks at home and there was very little going on. I found myself pretty much just reporting on things that were no longer going to happen and the possibility of when they might might come back. And, you know, we really didn't know what was going to happen. People were asking me, do you think the Premier League season will come back? You know, Liverpool are on the verge of winning the title. Do you think it'll be null and void? And Liverpool fans were freaking out about that. Opposition fans were having a great laugh thinking, wouldn't this be just typical? They've waited so long to win the league and then it gets cancelled. But it became, I think... When the Bundesliga announced that they were coming back, I kind of thought, well, that means football in England and Premier League will come back because the Premier League won't want to be outdone by their German counterparts because they pride themselves, obviously, in the Premier League of being the best as they, they market it. And that started mid-June. It was the 17th of June, 2020, that started. So on the 15th of June, I was back in the studio. So I only did 10 weeks at home. Um, didn't particularly like it. There was perks to it, obviously, not having to commute, but there's very little to report on. Um, I remember at the time as well, the weather was so good and I was looking out the window and, um, yeah, the, the days kind of dragged. But do you know what? A lot of people had things a lot worse than me, where especially people that were self-employed that lost everything. And some people still haven't recovered. So I was fortunate in that sense. And then, when they asked me, did I want to go back? I said, yeah, because the Premier League was coming back on the 17th of June. Those sports bulletins in the morning were now going to be busier. And we're actually going to be reporting on, on live sports. So I, yeah, I didn't, um, I didn't find it as tough as a lot of people did find it and still are finding it. And, um, obviously when we went back in, there was very few people in the office, but, I was fortunate enough to get back into it and the league started back up. Look, the, I think one thing we've learned in the last few weeks since you're watching games or even at the Euros with fans, the behind closed doors was pretty grim. Now, after a few weeks, we convinced ourselves it's not that bad. But when you look back at us playing in empty stadiums, it, it wasn't great. Like it's like the fans, the atmosphere makes everything and the players will tell you that as well. But also even watching it at home where there's, crowd reactions to there's noise to to big incidents that's what you want absolutely and did you find it hard to kind of fill up the content fill up the sports bulletins uh throughout those 10 weeks when there was no live sport there was absolutely nothing yeah it was tough um like you know sometimes we might have two or three minutes to fill in the morning and 
there's times I just have to say, yeah, I, I don't have much there. I mean, there's there's very little live sport going on. So we did kind of go down the, the nostalgia route, which a lot of people did. So say, for example, when I was on with Ian Dempsey in the morning, we might pick something that something big that happened on this day mm-hmm. back in whenever, where, whether it was 15 years ago, 20 years ago. And sometimes it's nice to look back on those as well, because you kind of remember what you thought about them at the time or were you at the game or where were you when you when you watched that and it was the same with with off the ball where we kind of did the the classic game club and i remember one game in particular to look back on was a liverpool game from the 80s when they beat arsenal 5-0 and watching the game back and just the difference in in style of football obviously back pass rule wasn't in back then and just watching some of those great liverpool players play against um sorry it was, it was against nottingham forest um but yeah a lot of people kind of went down that nostalgic route and um yeah after a while it kind of wore thin because you were thinking i want to see live sport i want to watch a game where i don't know what's going to happen yeah it's kind of sick of watching games where you know what this what the, the outcome is and but certainly some of the nostalgic stuff like the the ireland football stuff that was great because i was lucky enough to grow up when that was in its peak and obviously things are very different now where we don't have players playing for the top Premier League clubs we're not qualifying for World Cups and European Championships with ease like we used to and like Italia 90 I, I, I actually I do I was I was young but I remember Euro 88 obviously remember the two World Cups and yeah I mean if you could go back to any time as an adult those would be the times, the kind of late 80s, early 90s as an Ireland football fan. Yeah, and just out of interest, how long have you been working for OTB Sports? Uh, so that's probably three three years ago. Obviously, OTB Sports now, when I started working in, I used to work with my TLFM, hmm. then I moved to Today FM, and then Today FM now falls under that OTB Sports umbrella where it's... That's the Communicorp kind of... Well, it's now Bauer Media, Bauer, which yeah. has taken over Communicore in the last couple of months. So, um, yeah, three three years ago was when the, was the move was made. So, um, a few little things changed for me, obviously, but um, you know, it's still um, very much my my main day to day would still be broadcasting on Today FM, which which hasn't changed. Obviously, one thing that's changed is I would be on the early mornings, which I wasn't say three years ago I'm only doing them the last couple of years yeah and that's obviously Marconi House where it's home to all the big radio stations how did you first get in there yeah well when I first started working in News Talk we used to be in a place called Warrington House which is down on the canal um, near so it was kind of split Pepper up then was it no well, News Talk was there and then Today FM would have been in Abbey Street oh. and 98 FM would have been in Grand Canal with Spin and then News Talk moved to Marconi, Today FM moved in, then 98 FM and Spin followed. So, yeah, that's it all kind of merged together in terms of the, the office space. Mm. But they, they all, they, there's all different studios scattered all around the building. So it's quite a, it's quite a busy building. Obviously, kind of touching it there with, with COVID, it's not as busy as it has been where there's still a lot of people working from home, but it's mainly people that are on air that are in the studios because I think at the time it was fine but I think if you can broadcast from a studio 
you got to do that because the sound quality is just a lot better. I know the technology can be has improved a hell of a lot where people have good quality mics and they can, and obviously the Wi-Fi is good enough that the the connection can be good. But I think if you're in a studio, it just makes things a lot easier as well in terms of the the basic packages and software that we have in studio is a lot better than working on a a laptop, for example. I have two screens and it's a lot easier working off two screens than off a single laptop. Um, that's probably one thing that frustrated me hmm. working in working from home during the, the 10 weeks. But it's quite interesting because you have two rivals, Today FM and News Talk, in the same building. One is upstairs, one is downstairs. It's amazing in that sense. Yeah, I, well, I mean, I know they're, they're both national stations, but they're very much going after different audiences. I mean, Today FM are obviously music and News Talk are talk. So, um, you know, it, it's... Even though they are like they they are competitors, I don't think it's it's an out and out rivalry like that where it's um, it's very much a case of contrasting styles. You said mm. music versus talk, so um, and you know there, there's people that have been on one station and gone to the other and vice versa, and you know you see the, you see various people around the building and there's generally a, a very good relationship with everyone. Yeah, it's very interesting. So just back to the original point, how did you get into News Talk? Um, so that would have been, just as I said, to, I touched on earlier, just did my work experience in East Coast FM, recorded a demo and sent it in and just was brought in and try out uh, with the sports editor and said, right, I'll give you a chance this weekend, just do a few bulletins, see how you get on. Obviously very nervous doing it because, you know, it's, Basically, it's an audition uh, and it went well enough that I got called back the next weekend and then he got to do a few shifts at the weekend and then all of a sudden I became um, more permanent fixture at the weekends and you're just getting experience and then you're filling in for people during the week and it's just a case of practice and the more airtime you get, the, the more comfortable you get because look, I'm, I'm sure if I listen back to those first few weeks or even first few years working in radio, you you almost laugh at it because you become, my God, I sounded really bad, or just sounded like I hadn't a clue what I was doing. So you just get really comfortable where it becomes the norm. But at the same time, you don't want to get too comfortable. And I think that goes back to what I was saying about the the competition. And there's so many different outlets now that you can't get comfortable and phone it in because you kind of have to stay on top of things. And I think if you're not watching sports and you're working in sports, you've got a problem. And there is people that don't watch sports, but they might be able to report on us. But I think in the long run, if you're passionate about sport and you, you really you, you watch everything and you have your eye over everything, that will show in your work where you don't have to do massive research bits on games of of the past because you remember those games obviously you'd you'd like to do up a few notes or whatever but if you've seen these games it's a lot easier whereas if you haven't then you know you might get caught out a bit i said there's so many different ways of watching games now and because we can record games there really is no excuse to be missing games anymore but how do you keep yourself well informed in all sports it's you know the premier league the weekend the golf is on this weekend how do you keep yourself well informed yeah, I think, look, as I said, there's only so much you can watch live. So you can record bits, but as I said, all those major organizations or sports are very good now that they've YouTube channels or 
they have good social media teams that's you know if, if there was something you missed from say you mentioned golf like i do miss a bit of the golf on the sunday evening because i'm obviously up early on sunday mornings it's the same with nfl i used to love staying up on a sunday night to watch nfl because i had mondays off but i can't do that at the moment because i'm up at five on a uh, on a monday morning so sometimes the, the games will be going on until three and four in the morning but you can always watch these back and um, a lot of channels will actually show extended highlights the next day on the on their sports channels so it's a good way obviously i prefer to watch a full game because you get a, a better feel for what actually happens but that's that's kind of how you have to do it um you know you, you can go back and say for example now if if you didn't see the Tyrone and Kerry game over the weekend, you could go back and watch it on the, the RTE player. Or, hmm. you know, the, the, there is ways of watching it. And people, as I said, people will watch these games live and then they'll watch them back again. I, I Look, I worked in a, a club bar, a GAA club, and one of the first things that used to happen was they play the game, the team, so it was Chemical Croaks, Chemical would play a game, everyone would come back to the club and then a few hours later they'd hand me the video and they'd say can you put that on the TV and people who were at the game want to watch it back because they want to see that they missed something and I think that very much counts and it's still the case for for sports fans or sports reporters that there is no harm in watching things back because you will have missed something the first time yeah um, and what is your favourite to cover um, out of all the sports you cover I definitely have to say football and I know maybe some people would refer to it as soccer but I would call it football mm. um, yeah and I was I was fortunate enough to, to cover the Ireland team for a few years under Martin O'Neill and Roy Keane and I got to go to the Euros and you know it was quite a good showing at the Euros for for four, say 55 minutes Ireland were one nil up on France and they had a great chance to progress into a quarter final which at the time, it looked like they could be playing England. But those were were good years to follow the team. Also, I was getting to go on all the away trips. I, I think I 2015, I just started in Today FM in, in early August and the roster was out and I looked and I saw I was down to go to Georgia on the, at the end of August, which was obviously my first away trip. And it was a big trek out to Tbilisi, but... It's well worth it because that was the game where Aidan McGeady scored that wonder goal at the end, and but just great experience because obviously you get to you get to meet all the different reporters that have covered the Irish team for years, and you get to see how it works in terms of trying to send stuff back and dealing with what's out there in terms of if you're in a stadium like they have in Tbilisi where sometimes the Wi-Fi wasn't great, how do you get around that? And you, you know you find the little tricks of of the trade and how to do it, but. Yeah, some like some of those games. Obviously, I was lucky enough to be in Gelsenkirchen when John O'Shea scored that equaliser, the night that Shane Long scored against Germany, and the the night that Robbie Brady scores against Italy. So I think the the Irish football team, you know, we obviously I watch plenty of different leagues in terms of nationalities of football, whether it's Premier League, Serie A, La Liga, League of Ireland, Bundesliga. But I still think when it comes to covering the Irish team, because I'm Irish. I have a great interest in how the Irish team are doing. That's the one that really gets you going. Now, obviously, things haven't been great the last couple of years, but hopefully in the next few years, these young players that are coming through will um, start to fulfil their potential. Hopefully. And what did you make of the Martin O'Neill and Roy Keane era? Yeah, I think 
it started out well and you could see the signs that things were starting to decline a bit where we started the World Cup qualifying campaign very well after the Euros where we obviously got that win in Austria and um, we had drawn away to Serbia. So we had we had made a good start and we had these games to come at home and everyone thought, yeah, we're, you know, we're decent at home. So this should be a really good chance to qualify for the World Cup. But things didn't work out like that. Obviously, Serbia came to Dublin and won. We got a, a draw with Austria. I was over the the game in Copenhagen, the nil all draw with Denmark, and when Shane Duffy scored in the, the second game, and I thought, right, that's it, just shut up shop, and we're going to the World Cup. But obviously, Christian Eriksen had different ideas and absolutely ran riot against us. And I just felt that night it was so emphatic that defeat that there was a sense that I wonder will Martin O'Neill be able to recover from this? And there was people that asked him that question after the game. Does he think he should stay on? And, you know, he took a offence to that, but then it spilled into the, the Nations League and obviously lost 4-1 away to Wales. And you could just see the... And obviously we had beaten Wales to get into the playoffs. That was a great night when James McLean scored. But even that night, things went our way and we, we dug in and we got the win and we got the playoff. But yeah, there was just that sense that things were starting to slide. And um, when it ended, I think that... It, I think at that stage, there was, uh, it was probably a few months too late, but um, you can be at that, you know, you can have the opinion that it was time for Martin O'Neill and Roy Keane to go, but you can also say they did a bloody good job when you mm. think of when they took over and what they achieved. But maybe it was just a case of they should have gone a little bit earlier. Yeah. And last question before I go on to a quick fire round. Do you mind giving us an idea of what a day in the life is like to be a sports broadcaster? Yeah, I mean, it, it depends, really. It changed and has changed in the years for me in terms of depends what shift you're doing. So for me now, I'm up usually about quarter past five every morning and um, just get into work and read the papers. And you have a fair idea what's coming up in terms of there's anything live, obviously, right at the moment. When we go into the office, the Paralympics is, is going on as we speak. Say, um, earlier on today, now I would have gone in and the swimmers would have all qualified for their finals. So then they, it set out that they've got their finals to look forward to. It was great that Nicole Turner won her medal and things like that. There are great days to be working on a sports set where, you know, there's something really positive to talk about and medals at the, the Paralympics or the Olympics are, are great for because we know these events only come around every four years or so so much pressure on the athletes going in that they know that this is their moment. Say for, I mentioned Nicole Turner, like she finished fifth in Rio five years ago in the 50 meter um, butterfly. And she had talked about how this was her, her time to shine and the race is over in less than 40 seconds. Like the pressure, it all comes down to that. And the fact that she performed, so they're great days, you know, watching Jason Smith over the weekend and he was really tested. Watching Ellen Keane in the, the office last week as well. Um, again, it goes back to what I was saying, live sport, nothing beats it. Um, so that's, you know, I, I probably would leave the office then at two o'clock every day and, and that's it. But then you've got a lot of live sport on in the evening. 
So I would kind of just try and take it easy during the afternoon, gear up for the, for the evening. And um, yeah, you're going in and the next day you're reporting on maybe things you would have seen the night before. And I find, as I said, because there is live sport, something we didn't have for a few weeks or a few months during the, the pandemic, the, the weeks absolutely fly by, whereas those those weeks tend to drag a bit because we've nothing to report on. Whereas these weeks, it just goes so quickly. Um, there's just going to be football on pretty much every night. Um, I mean, other other things I've done, obviously, if you're a reporter at a game, if you're going to an All-Ireland final, that experience of getting there, getting there nice and early, getting your match program, getting your preview, getting a feel for the atmosphere. And I, it's very hard to beat Crow Park on an All-Ireland final day, especially when the, the, the two teams go into the parade and they break off. The noise is just absolutely deafening. You know, more than 80,000 people. Like some of those Dublin Mayo finals where obviously Mayo bring a massive crowd and just, as I said, the players break off early from the, the parade and it just gives you goosebumps. As I said, if if that doesn't give you goosebumps as a sports reporter, you're in the wrong game. Um, so... You know, there is, there's so many different aspects. People would say to me, like, what do you prefer doing? I, I don't really know if I have a favourite, because sometimes it is nice to be to be able to to work in the in the studio and, and go home, and then sometimes you there's certain things that you want to go to and you want to cover, and there are great days as well. Um, you know, sometimes it can be, you can go to a game in the middle of winter where you can't feel your hands, and it could be an absolute stinker of a game, and you're probably thinking, yeah, I kind of almost wish I watched that one on TV, but you still go to these things for on the off chance that you're going to get something special. And so every so often it does happen. I remember I mentioned the Shane Long game where Ireland were under the cosh, but I just remember that Shane Long goal so vividly because when Darren Randolph cleared it down, there was just a general, it was almost like slow motion where everyone got up off their seats. They kind of knew this was it. Like this was the moment where mm-hmm. This is the chance. Ireland has been battered for parts of this game. Shane Long is in on goal. This is it now. And he obviously, again, when he scores the goal, the noise of the, in the stadium is unbelievable. And you just look around and you just see absolute bedlam, like fans jumping around. And it's not the same, obviously. If Shane Long knocked that into an empty stadium, you know, obviously the results is the same but it's not really the same experience and that's why i've just really enjoyed seeing fans back at, at stadiums and hopefully we uh we start to, we catch up quick enough where we start getting bigger crowds at games i know for the ireland qualifiers now we have twenty five thousand at the azerbaijan and serbia games so you know that's a half a half full or half empty whichever way you want to look at it uh, aviva stadium yeah exactly and I'll just move on to a quick fire round. So, Phil, who is your favourite broadcaster or journalist? Ooh, that is a tough one. Because I don't I don't know if I have like there's so many really good broadcasters out there. Um I suppose when I was growing up, it goes back to not having all the games on TV. So Michal Amarahertig commentary on the radio was just absolutely loved it. Um just the excitement, the way he just painted the pictures and, you, you know, you didn't mind sometimes the games weren't on TV because you were quite happy to listen to Michal just talk it through the game. Um, so 
they're, they're kind of my first experiences. I think, obviously, if you're an Irish football fan, you grew up with George Hamilton and he's yeah. still there. And it's still all those big moments in Irish football. George was the voice of it. And um, actually, when you get to go away to games, you see George there and he's, he's on the same trips. And, you know, you see the what goes into the prep. Like, it's not a case of George just rocks up on the day and, calls it as it is you know it takes hours to to get familiar with what players are playing for the opposition team um the pronunciation of of certain players and just getting a feel for for the game and so you know it takes it i think when you get into when i got into it i realized like how much work goes into it especially i've done a little bit of commentary probably not one of my main passions now i think reporting i've always preferred reporting but I see the work that goes in if you want to commentate in a game, how much research you have to put in. It shows with the, the best commentators have those stats to, to hand, but that's because they got them themselves. Mm. Absolutely. And what is your favourite pastime? Oof. I have to say, and this is something actually that probably kept me sane during the, the pandemic, but I definitely think just even an hour in the gym or half an hour in the gym every day, not even every day of the week, but just, I, I think it's the, the home workout thing didn't really work out for me very well because I, fi- I found I got distracted. So when the gyms were closed for a good six months, I found that tough going. So I think it wasn't until that I realized how much I, I enjoy, because um, I, I could say a pastime is watching sport, but I do that anyway. Uh, yeah. So a pastime would be just going to the gym or, just getting fresh air it does wonders. Obviously, um, like we're we're lucky enough we have have the dog and we bring the dog out for a walk and it just as I said just a bit of fresh air clears the head and just uh, gets you out of the house as well. Yeah, and tea or coffee? Oh, tea all yeah. all the time. Lions or berries? Um, probably I would I would go lions, but also I'm. Um, <laughs> We have um, somebody recommended Marks and Spencer's tea bags to me, and they're really yeah. good as well. Now I don't shop in Marks and Spencer's because uh, if you're doing your weekly shop in Marks and Spencer's, fair play to you. <laughs> I always look at those. <laughs> I always look at those people and think, "Geez, they must have some amount of money if they're doing their weekly <laughs> shop there." But the, their tea bags are really good. But I absolutely love tea. Love the smell of coffee. I've just never been able to to adapt to the taste of it. And I mean, it would be absolutely crucial given the early mornings, people would say, if you had coffee in your life, things would be a lot easier. But I've survived without it so far. But I actually, yeah, I'd probably have four or five cups of tea. Wouldn't be a big drinker. Um, but if somebody said to me, you have to give up tea or alcohol, I would say I'd give up alcohol before tea. Oh, Jesus. Um, what is your biggest advice to young broadcasters and journalists? I'd say just keep going. Because people tell me when I was, if don't like, people will tell you, oh, like, is this really what, is this going to work out for you? Is this really worth doing? Because there was a stage there where I said it was freelance and maybe some weeks you'd only have two or three days' work. But I, I was thinking the, in the long run, this will, this will stand to me. Whereas, you know, you might have been looking at friends who were working full time. They were out at the weekends because they could afford it. I wasn't, but I knew that eventually it would pay off and there was friends there was family members that thought you must be mad in the head because you're i wouldn't have got into 
the broadcasting side of things till mid to late 20s whereas i work with people that are early 20s and i always i say to them already like you're so far ahead of me in terms of where i was but look we all get into it at different stages but people just thought are you not like should you not be doing something a bit different given the age you are but i just said no that's what i want to do so mm. I, I wasn't that i was stubborn i just said i obviously would take any advice on board and also don't be afraid to take criticism obviously if people are giving you advice you'd like to think they do it constructively and they don't be an asshole about it where you know if, if somebody asks me for feedback i have no problem telling them but you, there's a right and a wrong way of doing it um you know, I have worked with people that were a bit over the top with their feedback and, you know, that can really put a dent in your confidence. And especially when you're younger and you're just starting out. And there was days where people gave me feedback and I thought, just maybe I'm not cut out for this. And then you just, you wake up the next day and ah, look, I'm, I'm, I'm going to just keep doing what I'm doing. And you take the, the advice on board. Yeah. And Messi or Ronaldo? Messi. Messi. Why? Yeah. Uh, just better footballer. Um, I can see the merits of why you could pick either because obviously Ronaldo is more like a machine. Messi, though, is the he's the, the classier of the footballer in terms of ball is stuck to his, his feet. But they're, do you know what? I struggle with it because when you see Messi score a goal and then it's like, oh, Ronaldo can't do that, but just enjoy both of them. They're, they're different players. Yeah. So I, I appreciate both of them. It's very hard. I, I also find it very hard to define greatest players of all time because when I watch Maradona play, I would have seen Maradona late 80s, early 90s. I saw him at the 1990 World Cup and he wasn't that good. Hmm. But then you watch the documentary and you realise why he wasn't as good as he was in 86. But at the time... I didn't, I couldn't understand. I'd heard so much about Maradona and okay, Argentina got to the final in 1990, but he wasn't the player that I had heard he was. But then, see, you're watching back on old footage. It's very hard to judge unless you were watching this player play week in, week out. So I don't really buy into the, the, the greatest of all time because it's very hard in terms of like Maradona, for example, was getting lumps kicked out of him where he wasn't getting the same protection, Ronaldo and Messi. Now, they still get kicked, but not to the same extent Maradona was. Then people could say Maradona was playing the game. It wasn't as quick as it is now. So it's very hard to have a definitive answer. So I don't, I'm not one of these people now that's going to get too het up about it. Yeah, but would you put Ronaldo or Messi as probably the two greatest? I don't know, because Maradona was a genius. Pele was a genius. So you, you haven't decided well, on George, who, who is up there, really? No, definitely. And I, I, it's something I wouldn't really lose much sleep over in terms of who do I think is the greatest because it's a different eras. Like George Best was an incredible player. You know, playing at different eras, you know, pitches were different. So it's very hard to, to actually have a definitive answer. And I, I know like, people can look at the, the records, the, the numbers of, the number of goals per games. But then, you you know, you can look at what teams did they play in. Maradona played in Napoli. That Napoli team wasn't as good, say, for, as Pep Guardiola's Barcelona team, which Messi was in. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, absolutely. So, like, there, there is a lot of mitigating factors where it's very hard to to define it, and I don't think there's any. It's very hard to have a right and wrong answer. But that's I, I definitely embrace the, the the debate, and you know, I I can see the the logic in all these different different answers and it's an enjoyable conversation to have but i'm not going to be walking out of a room if somebody disagrees with <laughs> absolutely um what's your favorite tv series Ooh, tv series again do you know what i i like I, most of the stuff i watch is sports actually do you know what i started watching and finally watched an episode of it last night ted lasso yes very good I, I haven't I, yeah and it's not that I, I i don't want to watch it it's just again if there's a choice of watching something in, as a TV series, something that's on TV or a football match, I'm always going to go with the football. Mm. So, yeah. And it goes back to what I said earlier. There's so much sport on that it's very hard to find time to watch something else. So again, I don't know if there's anything there that I have thought, wow, that was, that was incredible. I started watching Peaky Blinders, for example, but then I was, I look at these things and I think there's a lot of series of this. I'm never going to get through it. So why persevere with it? Because I know it could be like Game of Thrones was another one. Everyone was like, you got to get on it. But at that stage, it was series three. I was like, no, it's too much, too much. So when I see things that are, somebody says there's 10 episodes in a series, I'm like, that's right up my street. I can get that done in two weeks. And that that's it. If they bring out another series, that's fine. But, those things with seven and eight series, I, that just intimidates me almost. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, pick one out of these three players. Uh, Roy Keane, Paul Scholes and Stephen Gerrard. Yeah. See, I, I would pick I'd pick Stephen Gerrard. Yeah. In terms of ability, well, I, it's a close call because Roy Keane obviously w- was a better captain than Stephen Gerrard. No doubt about it. People will point that the fact Roy Keane won more than Stephen Gerrard. That's another thing that is thrown around a lot. Not, I'm not even talking about Gerrard and Keane, but players that don't win anything. Harry Kane hasn't won anything for Tottenham, but it doesn't mean he's not a good player. Yeah. You know, there's players at Manchester City, the club that it was meant to join, that are nowhere near as good as Harry Kane, but they've got a lot more medals than them. But it doesn't mean that they're better player but it seems to be what is what have they won what have they won Jared obviously didn't win a Premier League title but I just think as an all-round midfielder I think he was a better midfielder than Roy Keane you're gonna get me in trouble here now <laughs> <laughs> I know it's a it's a good answer um if you were to have only five dinner guests dead or alive who would they be I think I'd bring Roy Keane for the crack yeah definitely he's a fascinating um, character yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, you, you kind of get an insight into his recent interview with Gary Neville, like the, the way he thinks. And um, But he's also, like, he's, his sense of humour is, is top drawer. Um, he obviously did a, he did a show for Off the Ball a few years ago, and his comic timing is, is absolutely brilliant. Um, I'm fascinated with boxing. I think I'd have to have a boxer there as well. Um, you know, Having somebody there like Muhammad Ali would be incredible. A guy that talked the talk, but obviously walked the walk. Um, you kind of want you want actors as well. Um, you know, you want one of those 
Not one of those actors from something like Goodfellas or Al Pacino or De Niro. Yeah, just De Niro, one of the one of those lads. Um, in terms of singer, I'm always. I think somebody like Tom Jones always fascinates me because he's I'm just fascinated by the guy's voice. It's still there, and a guy that has been on the planet for so long, the stories he's going to have are going to be incredible. Hmm. That, that's four I've mentioned. Um, yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to think of someone else to pick. Maybe like somebody like Michelle Obama. Hmm. Interesting. Where, yeah, just that's it's a tough one. It's actually something I've never nobody's ever asked me, so I couldn't really. I'm sure as soon as we finish, I'll be like, I should have said this. But yeah. um, it'd be nice to have a mix, whether it's sport, entertainment, music. Um, you know, somebody with the the political background like Michelle Obama. Um, but yeah, there's there's so many. As I said, as soon as we finish this, I'm gonna probably have a list of twenty that I should have said. So no them on. <laughs> yeah. If I left anyone out, no offense, man. Yeah. Um, describe yourself in three words. Last question. In three words. Oof, gonna be a tough one. Um, nobody's ever asked me that one as well. I would say I'm not shy, but I would be quite reserved so I would definitely be somebody that um, you know if I'm in a room of people I don't know I will kind of probably just suss out the situation before mm. you see the the real me that's probably just that's probably maybe a confidence thing maybe quiet I was quiet enough as a kid where is he level headed definitely level headed don't um, yeah don't really see um I certainly wouldn't be somebody that would lose lose my temper. Now, I can get emotional watching sports, but actually I'm quite good at when the game is over, just kind of mm. switching off and going back to normal. Um, and respectful. I think it's very important to have respect towards people where regardless of who they are, where they're from, you know, if you're... I think you can tell a lot about somebody and how they treat other people, especially if, say, I'm not a CEO, but if you're a CEO of a company, how do you treat your employees? You know, I, even though you're ranked higher than them, you know, I think it's important to be decent to, to everyone. Like, I, I certainly enjoy working in an office environment where you try and talk to everyone and mm. know things about everybody. You see it with some of the best coaches. They know everything about everyone at their club, whether it's the players, their fellow staff, um, you know, people that work in a in a, a club shop or a, a club restaurant or a club canteen. Just I think it's important like that. So I don't even know if I've said three things there, but um, I think as well it's very important not to take yourself too seriously and mm. have a sense of humour. And um, yeah, I think. Once, once you do that, then that that would be it. So I think maybe, yeah, I'd have to think about putting it, pick, pick, and if you can pick three words out of that fair play, too. brilliant, brilliant, Phil. Thanks, man. No worries.